Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. It is Tuesday, September 20th, and this is People Every Day. Hello out there, Janine Rubenstein back with you today. You guessed it, we've got some more royal family news from behind the funeral scenes to dig into, as well as plenty of other juicy stories that have bubbled up outside of the UK. So let's get right to it. Adnan Saeed is out. Yes, that's right. The subject of season one of the smash hit podcast, Serial, was freed on Monday after a Baltimore circuit judge overturned his conviction. Saeed was released after serving 20 years of a life sentence following his conviction in 2000 of first-degree murder for the 1999 kidnapping and murder of his 18-year-old classmate and ex-girlfriend, Hey Min Lee. As most of you are probably familiar with, Saeed's story was the subject of Serial back in 2014, a true crime show that helped put podcasting and podcasts in general on the map. Following that, there was a popular 2019 HBO docuseries called The Case Against Adnan Saeed. I mean, how many times have you or your friends discussed the Nisha call? If you don't know, listen to it. Saeed has always maintained his innocence, and his release came after prosecutors filed a motion to vacate his murder conviction, arguing that the case against him was rife with problems. Prosecutors asked that he receive a new trial, according to motions filed in circuit court. The judge who overturned the case stated in an order obtained by People on Monday that prosecutors failed to turn over evidence to Saeed's lawyers that could have helped prove that he did not kill Heyman Lee. In response to the new evidence that has since surfaced since the initial trial two decades ago, the judge added that there was, quote, substantial and significant probability that the result would have been different. Wow. Prosecutors said that they will continue their investigation and, quote, bring a suspect or suspects to justice, but also are not saying, quote, at this time that Saeed is innocent. I remember when the first season of Serial came out and how captivated everyone was with this story. And you can bet that every true crime fan in America will be keeping an eye on this. And now we have to get into these very messy mistress allegations being lobbied against Maroon 5 frontman Adam Levine. Late last week, Bahati Prinsloo, 34-year-old Victoria's Secret model and wife of Maroon 5 lead singer Adam Levine, who's 43, revealed on Instagram that the couple is expecting their third child together, which is, of course, exciting and joyful news. But today, we're learning about some struggles the couple has faced behind the scenes, struggles that Levine himself is addressing after an influencer and model made shocking claims on TikTok that she and Levine had been having an affair here to help break down all that we know about this story is head of people's music coverage, Melody Chu. Hey, Mel, how's it going? Hey, Janine. Well, let's start just with the claims being made on TikTok, of all places. The woman's name is Sumner Stroh. And, well, let's just play a bit of what she put out there. Essentially, I was having an affair with a man who's married to a Victoria's Secret model. So I'm sure you know who Adam Levine is. Um, but... Adam and I were seeing each other for about a year. 
So Mel, what do we know about her and, and what else did she have to say about her purported relationship with Adam Levine? She said that they had had a physical relationship in the last year. She didn't give more details about that. And she claimed that she felt very manipulated, that she she wasn't trying to get attention from this and that she just felt forced to come out with it because of other circumstances. She showed the receipts that she has on her phone where it looks like Adam was telling her how hot she is and this and that, and, you know, just pretty inappropriate for someone who's married and now expecting his third child with his wife. Yeah, for sure. And a, a lot is being made of this particular claim she has that he even talked about expecting a child and wanting to name his child after her. Right. And that's really the head scratcher here, along with everything else, of course. But she said she hadn't heard from Levine for months. And suddenly he slides into her DMs to ask, basically, is it cool if I name my third kid after you? It's kind of, kind of odd. Wow. Well, now we've heard from Adam, Adam Levine, in the wake of all this. So take us through what he had to say. I was wondering when he would address it. I kind of figured he would. It had gotten so loud yesterday and 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 more women were coming out with their own alleged messages from him that all were also seemingly inappropriate. This morning, he finally responded on Instagram stories saying he used poor judgment in speaking with anyone other than his wife in this kind of flirty and appropriate manner. And then he said, quote, that he's addressed that and taken proactive steps to remedy this with my family. He denied ever having what he called an affair. He fully admitted that the messages he sent were inappropriate. And he kind of hinted at them happening in a period of a difficult time for him. We don't know what he's really referring to in terms of that. I mean, in the last year, they, they've very much been together. They have a whole business together and now they're pregnant again. It's, um, it's messy. Yeah. Well, what about the hottie? I know she hasn't spoken out, but what has she said about just them and their relationship and, and their connection over the years? They've always seemingly been best friends. They travel together. Their passions are very similar. They've started a tequila company. Like They seem like very hands-on parents. He's always said he's so proud of being a girl dad, having all girls in the family. And Bahati said they fell in love at first sight after meeting through email. And that's when they sort of were sending bantery emails and messages and they met and they were head over heels and, and, you know, they had their ups and downs. They broke up, but then they got back together. And then it was a whirlwind after that. They got married very quickly. Our sources say it's been a really hard couple of days for her. Like she wants to focus on her pregnancy and just be happy and healthy and have this beautiful family time. But obviously the situation is hard. So true. This woman, this one woman wasn't the only one. More women have popped up sharing their claims of, of their interactions with Levine. So, I mean, do we think we'll hear more from him? Like, what does he have going on? He's been on tour a lot during the last couple of years. And I think he's on a bit of a break now, but they start back up in Asia in a couple months. And I think at this time, it was supposed to be some bit of downtime for him at home. Obviously, that's going to look a little different now. But from what we hear, he's very much focusing on the family now and trying to make sure that he's meeting Bahati's needs, especially during this difficult time, aside from her being pregnant now. But yeah, I mean, more women have come out. I think we're on the third one who has released very similar text messages of allegedly Adam talking again about naming his child after her. And 
Yeah, they're very similar. So I hope we get a little more clarity from him. Mel, you always know what's going on. Thank you so much. I love having you on. Thank you for having me. Coming up, we're heading over to the UK to get the -the on-the-ground perspective of all the pomp and circumstance and aftermath of the historic funeral of Queen Elizabeth from our very own Simon Perry. But first, last night was a big night on Dancing with the Stars. It had everything, amazing performances, moving, tearful moments, and some good old-fashioned table flipping from you know exactly who. We'll break it all down for you on the other side of the break, so don't go anywhere. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. We are back, and so is Dancing with the Stars. Season 31 of the show looked a little different to fans last night. And now, get ready, everybody, because I'm about to introduce my new co-host and my longtime friend, the champion of season 19. Give it up for Alfonso Rivera! Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tyra, listen, I can't tell you what a thrill it is to be back in the ballroom. Alfonso Ribeiro made his co-hosting debut with Tyra Banks, and last night's premiere marked the show's arrival to Disney+. American Idol alum Jordan Sparks kicked off the night with a performance to her party song of choice, Whitney Houston's I Wanna Dance With Somebody, also my party slash karaoke song of choice. That said, it wasn't without critique from Mr. Derek Huff. It's just the foot placement, a little bit more intentional with the way you put your feet, close those ankles when you close them together, but over, yeah, oh wait, all that split? In the middle, girl, I saw that! Let's go! Table flipping Teresa Judice came in ready to roll and delivered a tango performance of Rihanna's We Found Love that, of course, included an homage to her early raccoon days on The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Yes, tables were turned. <laughs> the most heartwarming performance, though, of the night came from actress Selma Blair, who Judge Carrie Anna Naba praised. He danced that like a true artist. And I'm just so touched as somebody who is from the invisible illness community. Seeing you come out here with your circumstances and just making everyone aware that you are fully able to do and achieve anything you put your mind to. Blair has been open about her battle with multiple sclerosis over the past few years and said that she wanted to perform, quote, in a way that uses my body and that doing this can only help me in the long run. Guys, I was nervous for her when her casting was announced. That show is grueling on the body, but Blair killed it. She also spoke to Good Morning America about taking up the challenge of being on this show and increasing visibility. I'm beyond thrilled. I'm with perspective and coming back and realizing the support of people um, when you try. It's changed my life. You can catch this star-studded season of Dancing with the Stars every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Disney+. 
Yesterday was a day that was a moment in history. Millions around the world watched the state funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, who led the monarchy for 70 years, something that we will never see in our lifetime again. As you well know, People has been covering this story you know, every single possible angle you can think of. And we are joined once again today by our chief foreign correspondent, Simon Perry from London, who can give us some perspective into what it was like to actually be in the UK yesterday. He's also here to take us into what we didn't see and what happened after the dust settled. Welcome back to the show, Simon. Uh, Morning, Janine. Well, you reported live for NBC yesterday. What was the feeling of being on the ground? What did you take that audience into? Well, um, it was an astonishing day. Lucky that it was dry and relatively sunny, so people were out, obviously able to be out. No one was miserable. There was sadness in the air and it was quiet. That's just the most sort of pervasive thing, I thought, was just the streets quiet, even though there were large numbers of people around. You could hear birds flittering a little bit. There were no planes flying over London because there was a no-fly order. And Although there were thousands and thousands of people within, you know, meters of us, you didn't hear from them. Yeah, it was just, it was strange and slightly ghostly, but reverential. But I'd walked through the streets in the morning to where we were, had to be, and it was quite early, and everyone was always up early anyway. And again, most people walking along with a cup of coffee in their hand, but just quietly with their partner or friend, just quietly getting into position. It was, it was a strange, but respectful atmosphere, yeah. What was the moment for you that you actually saw that kind of put all of this into perspective for you personally? Well, yeah, yesterday meant, uh, apart from being an incredible moment in history, it was just an end of an era, really. From uh, We've known since, obviously, t- 12 days she's gone and we've got a different monarch. And um, when, her, when her coffin was lowered at the end, the sort of final sort of scene, as it were, I was, you know, um, sad to see it, like everyone watching at the same time, incredibly proud of how our country had pulled off this incredible moment and event. You know, the whole world was watching and nothing, not one thing went wrong in the whole several hours of parades and soldiers marching. And it was a proud moment too for the country. Because I was with NBC, we were based in this building called Methodist Hall, which is across the square from Westminster Abbey. So that great door that the coffin came out of, we were across from. It was a stunning perspective on things. William and Kate came out of that door on their wedding day, you know, 12, uh, 11 or so years ago. And the Queen went through there on her wedding day and, of course, has come out of there in, in, in her coffin on her uh, funeral day. It's a centre of the monarchy. It's the centre of Britain in some respects, that, that, that church. It was amazing being right, literally, eyewitness to history. And so we covered the funeral up until St. George's Chapel, another location. Uh, why is this location just so significant for the royal family. And what happened once the cameras all left there and the family was left alone? St. George's Chapel, it would have been the Queen's Church when she lived at Windsor most of the time, especially in the last few years when she's been older and also through COVID, she's largely been based at Windsor. It's her parish church, it's her local church. And not only that, of course, her parents are buried there and her late husband, Prince Philip was buried there too. Famously, we all watched that funeral, of course, only only last March. It's also the heart of the monarchy. They get their name Windsor from from that place, and it Windsor Castle. That's their sort of family name. One of her former staff I interviewed yesterday said, "You know, it felt strange being at that service because they associate it so much with her that 
castle, that place, it's her home. And suddenly they were all there saying goodbye and she wasn't among them. And that was quite poignant. I think that really rammed home how much a central part of the royal family's life Windsor is. And that's why it was so important she was buried there. Did they stick around? Like what happened in the aftermath of that moment of her being interned? What we saw, of course, on the TV and cameras and, and photographs was her being lowered into the um, that incredibly poignant moment with the piper as she was lowered into the royal vault. The family then went up to Windsor Castle and had, I assume, some sort of break, a little maybe something to eat or something. And a couple of hours later came back, just the family, to go through a very solemn ceremony of burying the coffin next to Prince Philip was actually put in then into George the Sixth Chapel, Memorial Chapel, which is just a little chapel as part of St. George's Chapel. That would have been obviously incredibly intimate and moving moment for them all. And in fact, probably the time when they could start grieving properly without the eyeballs of us lot and the world watching them and actually start the process. And I think that was very important for them to do that quietly alone as a family. And you say the family, was it the whole family? Yes, yes. Even at the committal service, there were lots of youngsters that we didn't see during the earlier part of the day, apparently. Peter Phillips's children, who were quite young, a bit older than George and Charlotte, they were all there at the committal. It's a big extended family, the royal family, and there were, I would think, a couple of dozen of them at least there for that part of the uh, service. And for those after events, that would include Harry and Meghan as well, because of, of course a lot was made of things they weren't invited to that were part of the working royal list of events. Uh, but this, they would have been brought into the fold. Oh, they were definitely there. Yes, yes. And they were and they were very much part of the Windsor committal service as well, weren't they? I assume that uh, we understand they're coming back to America in the next day or so, maybe even today, I'm not sure. But their home is on the Windsor estate as well when they're in Britain. So they, they wouldn't be far away either, of course. I know you guys put out a, a new cover story that is just delving into all of it even deeper. And I can't wait to be able to, to talk about that and discuss that on tomorrow's show. What do we know from here on out? I know we're a ways off from his coronation still, and the family is still definitely mourning. But what's next for King Charles? Well, we understand he's gone to Scotland, actually, in these uh, next few days with Camilla. Uh, they're having some downtime where they can, I suppose, be quiet and mourning. They're in the royal royal mourning period for the next week or so. He's got a lot on his plate. He's got to work out what kind of monarchy he wants, who he gets to do what among his family. Um, does he widen it or does he cut down the number of people who are working? Will that include his brother, Edward, and so on? So he's got a few decisions like that to make. But he's had a good week in terms of most people think he's done well through this period, this difficult period for him. And, uh, and in the coming weeks, everyone's going to be looking to see what kind of king he'll be. And it's all ready for him to sort of make his own history. So much to see. Simon, thank you so much for taking the time out and, and just sharing your experience. And also, everyone, make sure to check out Simon and Michelle Tauber and Aaron Hill and the whole royal team's work in this week's issue that is going to be out on stands very, very soon. Simon, appreciate you. Thank you. See you next time. Now, we couldn't end today's show without addressing what's happening in Puerto Rico. Over the weekend, Hurricane Fiona wreaked havoc on the Gulf of Mexico and caused an island-wide blackout. 
On Sunday, President Joe Biden declared an emergency in Puerto Rico, authorizing federal agencies to coordinate disaster relief efforts with FEMA to provide relief to the residents of the island. Fiona has left the island without power and left towns and cities covered in mudslides and flooding with little to no potable water. We here at People Every Day wanted to take a second to highlight some of the charities that are best suited to help those affected by the storm. First up, Chef Jose Andres' nonprofit World Central Kitchen shared on Twitter Sunday that its teams in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic were preparing sandwiches to deliver to people in need as soon as the storm passed over the islands. World Central Kitchen currently has its teams of chefs preparing hot meals as it continues to assess needs across Puerto Rico. People interested in donating to the organization's efforts may contribute at donate.wck.org. We'd also like to spotlight the Direct Relief Organization, who is in communication with local health facilities about medical needs. They're collecting medical supplies for the devastated island that include trauma supplies, antibiotics, and medications for diabetes and other chronic conditions. You can donate on their website at donate.directrelief.org. To see a complete list of recommended charities aiming to help our fellow Americans in Puerto Rico, you can head over to our website, people.com. Well, that's our show. Thank you once again for spending part of your day with us. I'll be back to bring you the latest on tomorrow's episode of People Every Day.